Well, if you want to turn to Romans for just a moment, today I want to begin with a reminder from Romans 1, and perhaps uh, next Sunday we'll be back in Romans 5. But let's look at Romans 1, just as a reminder. Uh, we, we looked at this, it's been many months ago. But verses 18 and 19. Romans 1, verses 18 and 19. I'm reading from the New King James Version. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. As we have talked about this many times in the past, how has God made Himself manifest to all people on the earth? Just by His very creation, God has made Himself real and known so that there is no excuse that no one can stand before God someday in judgment and just say, I did not know. There is no excuse. And in verse 25, I didn't put it there, but it says they exchanged the, exchanged the truth of God for the what? Lie. The lie. In Isaiah, let's go there just to pick up this verse. Isaiah 5, verse 20. Isaiah 5, verse 20. And I'm sure you have quoted or paraphrased this verse many times. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to Your Word and I pray that you would just give us a better understanding of your word and a better understanding of, of how that we might use your word in in the midst of the of the culture, the society, the the situation that we live, that you have placed us. So Father, teach us. Lord, guard my heart, guard my mind. Let me not get on some soapbox and just spew stuff that I think. But Lord, help me, help us all to bring everything back to biblical grounds. So help us, Lord. We need you. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, exchanging the truth of God for the lie, calling evil good and good evil, putting darkness for light and light for darkness, is that not a picture of much of what we see in America today? Just, just the absurdity of some of the things that people in high office in our country say. It, it boggles my mind at the evil influence I see in many people. Calling evil good and good evil. And as was mentioned in Dusty's prayer this morning, what, what's been the highlight in the news, especially since Friday? 
the, the Supreme Court ruling that, that uh, overturned the Roe versus Wade ruling from 1973. <laughs> I mentioned absurdity. 1973. Barb and I were married in 1973. Uh, the, the ruling came about in January of that year. To be honest, I don't remember much about it. I, I didn't ask Barb if she did. At the time, about the time uh, my dad was having cancer surgery in December, I, that was my first year in college, I was coming up on finals week when I got the news that dad was going in the hospital in St. Louis. It didn't sound good. I was worried about dad. Finals. Had my girlfriend at home. Fiance was we going to be married that June. Had a lot going on. And so uh, as an 18-year-old, I guess I just did not pay too much attention. I knew stuff was going on. I heard things were being said. But here this ruling comes in. Abortion. This is in January. There's another ruling that came in in December of 1973. <laughs> and I find I found this almost comical. And, and this was the establishment of the Endangered Species Act. <laughs> Think about that. Think about that. In, in January of 1973, Roe versus Wade, that decision whereby allowing abortion, the murder of some 70 million children since then. Put that in perspective, today more than the entire population of California and Florida combined. Just take those two states off. And that's still not enough to cover it. So then in 1973, the establishment in December of the Endangered Species Act, you may say, Preacher, where are you going with this? I'm talking about absurdity that's going on here, calling evil good and good evil. This makes it a crime to kill certain species of animals, birds, reptiles, or to even destroy their eggs or nests. See, it's okay to kill Preborn human babies, but it's a crime to kill certain animals, certain preborn animals. I was going to ask you, you guys were at Hilton Head. You was on the beach. Did they have any spots cordoned off? Uh, sea turtles? Did you see anything while you were there? Didn't see anything? Oh, oh, beginning in somewhere around May 1st through... Um, June in the first part of July, and you've probably seen this in the news. You know the sea turtles come, they lay their eggs, and and a certain species is on the endangered uh, or turtle is on an endangered species list, and, and you've seen news and where they they put the the caution tape and they put anything around, and there'll be a sign saying warning. You know disturbing this nest or killing any of these eggs is subject to up to a year in jail or a $100,000 fine. But, kill a pre-born baby, it's okay. 
just the absurdity of it. This is not where I was going today, but this just kept coming on my heart. And and we gather as children of God, as believers, to be equipped. Well, equipped for what? Works of ministry. Ministry, going out into this lost and dying world to present the gospel of Christ and to deal with situations of life that come along. And I'm telling you, this this abortion thing has been in the news and has been at the top of the list for a long time, and it's going to continue to be there. This is, I'm trying not to get political here, but, but this is the perfect agenda for the liberal left to get the focus off of everything else. You understand? The mess that they've done with everything else. Well, let's focus on this and maybe people for, will forget about all of this other. And so this is going to be at the top of the list between now and especially the November election and beyond. So shouldn't we be equipped with the Word of God and how we should respond? Yes. Yes. You see, will, will we just be silent? Or will we speak and just try to speak louder than everybody else with our opinions? That, that's how many do. Just I can talk louder than you, so I must be right. That's, that's not... But we should speak the biblical truth in love. In love. And we need to, and it comes back to this as well, knowing full well that, that, that many, 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 I would say probably the large percentage of people that are in opposition to what has happened with, with the ruling that came Friday are people who are lost and without Christ. And so then that we would have compassion because they're so almost violent in their stand for something that we see as being so evil. And so that we would pray for them. And that our response would always be, you know, the King James, what the Apostle Paul said, what saith Scripture? So, what does the Bible say? Where are we going to begin? Well, how about this? Let's begin Exodus 20, verse 13. How about we jump in right there? You shall not, what? Murder. Murder. Does it say kill? Not murder. Because you see, God commanded many to be killed, did He not? Go into the land, men, women, children, animals, rid the land of the evil that is there. He made commands such as that. So you can't make a blanket statement, which many people do, and with a false interpretation, I believe, thou shalt not kill in any form or fashion. Because if you take that stand, you have to disregard an awful lot of Scripture. And and here's one. Just let me give you an example. Let's go to Numbers 35. Verses 16 through 19. 
This is a portion of the word that the Lord had spoke to Moses. This, this is the Lord. But if he strikes him with an iron implement so that he dies, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. So what do we have here? Capital punishment, do we not? I mean, it's what we would call today capital punishment. And, and it goes through some different methods. There, there was an implement today we say, well, with a tire iron or, or something like that. In verse 17, if he strikes him with a stone in the hand by which one could die, and he does die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Verse 18. Or if he strikes him with a wooden hand weapon <laughs> covering the bases. It doesn't matter what method you're killing them. If you kill them, you're a murderer by which one could die, and he does die. He is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The avenger of blood himself shall put the murderer to death. Avenger of of blood, I would say that's the executioner, or put whatever label you would want to there. The avenger of blood himself shall put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. Kill him. And, and then later in, in that chapter it says, uh, I didn't write down the verse, but that the avenger of blood shall not be guilty of blood. Not guilty of murder since he was just carrying out what the Lord was asking to be done. So the executioner is not guilty of murder. He is just carrying out what God had commanded. So, a distinction between murder and killing. So, preacher, you said and, and you're saying that abortion is murder. Yes, I am. I am. From, from Scripture, that's how I see it. It is the killing, the murder of an innocent life. And God hates that. He hates it. Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Let me ask you, is there any more innocent being than an unborn child? I could, I, how could, it doesn't seem there could hardly be anything any more innocent than that. These things the Lord hates, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans. <laughs> is there wicked plans being devised right now in the halls of the White House and Congress and everywhere. Yes. Wickedness. How can we overcome this terrible ruling that the Supreme Court has made? The heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among brethren. Murder of an innocent life. Wait a minute, preacher. The fetus is not alive. It's not murder. 
You've, you've heard that, right? I mean, that's... The abortion debate always comes down to two pretty solid points. One being, the unborn child is not alive. That's the one. And the other being, what? It's a woman's choice. Well, that, that's the two points of debate often. But if you can get the first part of that biblically correct, that takes care of the second one. You understand what I'm saying? If you get it right of when life starts and that murder is murder, there is no choice in regard to taking that life because of what the Bible says. Thou shalt not murder. But it's it's her body, her choice. Well, a person can choose. Yes, they can choose. But it will be sin. And it will be murder. When does life begin? I believe... It begins at the very moment of conception, of fertilization, if ever, ever how you want to make that term. Um, the, the, here's the verses biblically that people always go to. You, you probably know these Psalms 139 verse 13. For you, God, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. When did Jeremiah's life as a prophet begin? Well, let's look in Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. Again, these are kind of those go-to verses that many people will, will bring up from a biblical perspective. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Ask Elizabeth what her yet unborn son, John the Baptist, did the first time he was brought near to the yet unborn Jesus Christ. Luke 1, verse 41. You know what happened. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe, the baby, the young child, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now who was John to be? The forerunner of Christ. The one to prophesy and tell of the coming of Jesus Christ. And for me... I see this leaping of the yet unborn baby as John's first announcement of the Christ. A supernatural silent announcement. And Elizabeth, and I believe John too, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to point out another uh, time in biblical history where there was a prophetic significance that came from a pregnant mother's womb. Let's go to Genesis 25. Genesis 25, verse 21 through 23. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. 
And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When did the, the fight start? In the womb. In the womb. Jacob and Esau fighting within their mother's womb, a prophetic foretelling of what was to come and is still going on today between Israel and all those around. That all began back then, still going on today, and I believe will continue to go on until the Lord comes back and settles it all. Is there significance to what transpires in the mother's womb? Yes. Yes. Here we had a prophetic foretelling of the conflict between Israel and the other nations. John the Baptist leapt for joy. This provided confirmation not only for Elizabeth, but for Mary that was there. Let's go back to Luke. You see, John at that time could not speak because he wasn't yet out of the womb and could not speak. But he leapt within the womb. But Elizabeth could speak. And so she did. Let's read it. In Luke, the first chapter, 42 through 45. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, talking to Mary, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. The living but yet unborn child being used by the Lord. Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the speechless. In the cause of all who are appointed to die, open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. See, that all in authority would speak for the speechless and defend the defenseless. Again, let me say, there is none more defenseless and none more unable to speak for themselves than an unborn baby in their mother's womb. Something else I came across, and, and perhaps you didn't know this, but uh, and the statistics was of, as of 2018. As of 2018, 29 states have fetal homicide laws, which makes it murder to kill an embryo or fetus, unborn child, intentionally. In other words, if someone attacks a pregnant woman, say a shooting, say a stabbing, and the baby is killed, then that's murder. 28 states have this. uh, Fetal homicide laws. If mother and baby both die, it's a double homicide. Two deaths, two murders. This is in the books in 28 states 
And, and there's a biblical precedent for this fetal homicide law. I wanted to bring this up today. And let's go to Exodus 21. Exodus 21, verses 22 through 25. If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, you know, the, whatever happened causes the, her to go into labor and have this child early, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. You see, in other words, the baby and the mother are okay, but there will be a fine for the action of assault or for pain and suffering, we would say today. You see, let's go now to verse 23. But if any harm follows... If there's harm to the baby, then you shall give life for life. If the baby dies, what happens to the assailant? They die. They're put to death because it's murder. I for I, the baby comes out, something wrong with its eye, Cannot, will not be able to see out of that eye what happens to the assailant. They lose an eye. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. You know what's coming next. Tooth for tooth, hand for hand. Something wrong with the hand. They lose their hand. Something wrong with the foot. They lose their foot. Do you, do you see the precedent set in the Word of God? Burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. If there's no injury... A settlement is made. Maybe it's to cover medical costs or a fine, again, for pain and suffering. But if there's more than that, if the child suffers in any area, the penalty is the same as what happened to the child. And so here we have these fetal homicide laws which are very similar to the precedent set in Scripture in the book of Exodus. Do we see that? Say amen. A killing of a yet unborn baby is murder. Again, some states have this in place. Some states take this even further because in this day and age, in vitro fertilization, uh, taking eggs from the woman, freezing them, saving them for a time, uh, to either to have a donor or, or whatever. And some have it so that even if someone destroys those embryos, those eggs, that also is considered murder. They, they have taken it that far. So, here we have Again, I've talked of, of absurdity. You have a, a fetal homicide law that even goes to frozen embryos that to kill any of this, an embryo or a fetus, is murder except for in the case of an abortion. How, how, how do you fathom that? Except... For in this case, 
a mother's choice. Do you agree with me, absurdity? One writer said it this way. The fact is, you and I know today, here, let, let, me, let me say this. And any of you that, that have worked with any of the pregnancy resource centers, you, you know all these things. You know the technology has grown leaps and bounds from what it was in the late 60s and early 70s when all this went in place. You, you can go with, with the instrumentation that they have today. From what I read, you, know, you, you may not be able to hear it, but they can detect a baby's heartbeat in less than three weeks. In less than three weeks. And within just a very few weeks, when you see the image, it is very clear with the head, the eyes, the arms, the legs, the beginning of fingers in, in uh, what, four weeks? It, it is very evident that this is a child. As a matter of fact, when someone who's pregnant goes to the doctor and it is found out that they are pregnant, the doctor does not have just one patient. He has two that he's responsible for. You understand that, right? Because there's two lives. Not just one life, not just the mother, but there's two lives that he is caring for. The mother and the infant that is within. Let me go back to my quote. The fact is, you and I know today that from any realistic objective perspective, we have to conclude that the fetus in the womb is, from the moment of conception, a human being in the process of arriving. I like how they put that. A human being in the process of maturing and arriving. The fact that that for several months the fetus cannot survive outside the womb does not affect its right to the same protection which other human beings merit and which it will itself immediately merit as soon as it slips from the womb. End quote. It's going to have all of these rights as soon as it slips from the womb, but some people, but not a moment before. At conception. Let's do a little biology. How many chromosomes do you have? And you can say it one of two ways. You have 46 chromosomes, all of you. It's your genetic makeup. Or you could say it, you have 23 pair. And that's important to know, and probably the best way to say it, you have 23 pair. Why am I saying that that's important to know? Because what does it take at the moment of fertilization? 23 from the male, 23 from the female brought together. And at that moment, when these unite and come together, an immediate change happens. Immediate change. The 23 and the 23 interlink, forming 23 pair. And at that moment, the baby's gender is set. At that moment. I believe at that moment that there is much going on. I believe that that baby's temperament is set. 
Babies born different attributes and temperaments. You know, you got got two babies, are they exactly the same? No, no, totally different. How could that be? Same mom, same dad, because God has genetically engineered them with their own temperament. From the moment of conception, the preacher, there's extenuating circumstances. Don't you know? Yeah, we, we have all these imaging, we have all this genetic testing we can do, and don't you know, preacher, that, that now with all this testing and things that's going on, you can find out that sometimes there's an abnormality. That sometimes perhaps something didn't get linked up quite right. This, that sometimes the, the, the baby they can find out has Down syndrome or, or has some other birth defect. Well, what's well, okay then, isn't it, to abort that baby? <laughs> no, it's not. Murder is murder. Do you understand that? Let's go to Exodus 4, verse 11. This is what God told Moses. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? And remember, what did Moses just told God right before this? Well, God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a spokesman. I'm not an orator. I'm not eloquent. I am slow to speak. I am slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Who makes the one who has Down syndrome? God. Who makes the one who is born with a birth defect? God. Well, that can't be. That's that's not a loving God. Yes, it is. God has a plan and a purpose for everyone. For everyone. Remember the story in in John 9 of the man born blind. It's easy to go to that story. Remember that? Let's go there. Uh, John 9th chapter, first three verses. John 9, verses 1 through 3. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. From birth. Let me ask, who has made him that way? Give me the answer. God. God has made him that way. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither this man or his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him, in the man born blind. So that for such a time as this, Jesus could pass by and see him there and perform the miracle that would set the, the, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin on their ear. By God's sovereign will, this man was born blind. John MacArthur said it this way, Conception then, quote, Conception then is the act of God whereby a person is created by God's sovereign will. A soul is breathed into the living tissue by the Holy Spirit. 
That soul's destiny is already known to God and determined by Him before the foundation of the world. Abortion then becomes a violent anti-God act. It is not only a murder of the individual, it is an affront to the Creator. End quote. And I would say, Amen. Kevin read from Micah 6, verse 8 in a sermon from two weeks ago. Let's look at it one more time. Micah 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your Lord. Proverbs 24, Proverbs 24, 11 and 12. Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. In other words, try to save them who is being drawn toward death, who is, who is stumbling toward slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not He, God, who weighs the hearts, consider it? He who keeps your soul, does He not know it? And will He not render to each man according to His deeds? I don't know if the Lord spoke to you in regard to what was just read. What, What was just read? What does it say of us if we sit back and say nothing or do nothing when we know that innocent lives are being killed? What does it say of us? And again, the absurdity in America that is so humanitarianistic toward other countries and the wrong that is going on to certain people groups around the world. And yet, allow this abomination to happen in our country. Did you see that? I hope you do. Yes, try to help those in in country that are being persecuted and put to death wrongly and, 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 and unlawfully and unbiblically. Help those. But don't turn around and allow an even worse thing to happen in your own country with this murdering of innocent babies. You know, that, that from Proverbs. Can we sit back and say, well, I didn't know. I, 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 did, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. What did it say? It said, God knows your heart. He knows whether you really know or not. And if you're guilty, what did it say? He'll render to you according to your work. Doesn't negate your salvation as a child of God. No. That is set, that is permanent, that's an inheritance that's guaranteed for the born-again believer. But in regard to reward, there will be loss if you're guilty. And I I don't know how all that plays out. Uh, For for me, this is the secret will of God. This is the secret things of God. For me anyway. I know some people think they got that all figured out of how God's going to deal with all that. I don't. 
but he will render to you according to your works. Uh, let's look at what happened to the Israelites. Let's go to uh, Psalms 106. 106. We just got a little more. 106, verses 34 through 42. As the Israelites were getting ready to go into the land of Canaan, did God give them specific instruction of what to do? Yes. And in the midst of some of those instructions was some of it go in and clear the land, rid the land of the evil. I talked about this earlier. Men, women, children, animals, rid it, flush it clean of the evil that's there, and then... Inhabit the land. That's instruction that was given. So let's read. Verse 34. They did not destroy the peoples. So here's the picture. They come in. Here's all these people. They've established a town or a city. They've probably got gardens and fields planted. Well, they don't seem so bad to me. Well, why would we want to destroy all this? Then we'd have to do all this work ourselves. Surely God, no, He didn't didn't mean for us to do that, did He? And they started reasoning with themselves and didn't do what God had told them to do. Verse 35, But they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served idols. See, there's the, there's the biggie, isn't it? They served idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. This, this is talking about God's people. They took on the attributes of the Gentiles and the pagans in the land. They even sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus, they were defiled by their own works. They played the harlot by their own deeds. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against His people so that He abhorred their own inheritance. And He gave them into the hand of the Gentiles. And those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Captivity. Because they did not obey. And they shed innocent blood. Where was the first shedding of innocent blood? How long did it take in the creative line of history? (laughs) Well, I I guess you'd call that second generation. I guess Adam and Eve is the the two of them's first generation. Second generation killing of innocent, the innocent. Genesis 4, verses 9 through 11. Let's read it. Remember what it said up here in Psalms. They, they shed innocent blood, and the land was polluted with blood. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Liar. 
And he said, and God said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. How, how big a stretch am I making if I say, is, is the blood of the innocent lives killed in America crying out, staining us, indicting us? In Genesis 42, verse 22, Reuben says this to his brothers in regard to how they had treated their younger brother Joseph. And Reuben answered them saying, Did I, did I not speak to you? Saying, Do not sin against this boy, and you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. See, there's a reckoning coming to those who have played a part in the murder of the innocent. There's a reckoning coming for those who knew about it and sat back and said and did absolutely nothing. And I do know this. I know that at some point someone may perhaps listen to this sermon who has had an abortion. Or someone may listen to the sermon who has in some way played a part in someone having or getting an abortion. But understand this. Is abortion murder? Yes, I believe it is. Is murder sin? Yes, it is. Does God save sinners? Yes, He does. And as you deal with people, never forget that. Jesus came to this earth to save sinners. To offer forgiveness and repentance to sinners, to those who would believe the Gospel. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 21-24. through 24. I want to read some of these verses as we close out today. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And again, save, save, what's that mean? Save from what? To save them from His own wrath. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. And let me pause there, and that is yet today to the Jews a stumbling block they're still looking for a Messiah that has not yet come to the Gentiles foolishness all that biblical stuff it's just a bunch of hoo-ha just a bunch of garbage there's nothing to that so you got one group it's a stumbling block another group it's foolishness but to those who are called <laughs> both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God to those He calls. Child of God, aren't you grateful and thankful that He called you? And Paul had said this just, just a couple of verses prior to that in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To those who are yet fools. To yet those who would say there is no God. To those who reject God and His Word and His promises and all of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. They are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
God save those whom the message is preached, to whom they hear and they believe. And then there the question would go out to you here and to perhaps some that would listen in the future. I would ask, do you believe? Are you saved? Sin. Sin. Sin from, from, the, from the Garden of Eden has separated us from God. And if you are yet in your sin, you are lost and under the wrath of God. John 3, verses 14 through 19. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Men love darkness rather than light. They call evil good and good evil. They put darkness for light and light for darkness. Let's read Romans 10. That if you confess with your mouth, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. and We give You thanks that we can go back in Your Word and, you can, and we can see foundational precepts, uh, things that were implemented by You long ago that if we would hold fast to yet today could clean up a lot of garbage. So Father, help, help us to know what You would have us do. Help us that we might rescue the perishing Help us that that we might know what we could do, what our part would be to help save innocent lives. Father, just just by Your Spirit, by the truth of Your Word, just speak to us, Lord. We know that You have a work for every born-again child of God. Some kind of work. And perhaps for some, maybe their work will be focused on this very subject that we have looked at today and help fighting against the evil of abortion. So Father, I, I pray that You would let everyone know the call of ministry that You have on their lives of where and what that would be. I, Lord, I, I just pray for President 
Biden and Vice President Harris. I pray for Pelosi, Schumer, and and all those in the halls of Congress, the Senate and the House. I pray that You would grant a wisdom that is from above, that You would shine the light upon darkness, that You would reveal evil for what it is. And Lord, that by Your great power and the truth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, that that some of these who have been so vigilant in being anti-Christian and anti-against any biblical standard, that Lord, You would miraculously save them that they would have no other recourse than to fall before you and then they would have no other recourse than than by the the conviction that you would place upon them to just make a a 180 and turn and what a glorious sight that would be so father just heal our country We, we know this is just the beginning. Yes, we could say what a great victory, but, but, but this fight is nowhere near over. Now it's going to come to the individual state and, and the fight is going to go on and on and on. So Lord, help us. Help us to not be sidetracked with, with, with so many things. But help us to have the focus to things above like, like it's on the sign out front. To look to things above. To have our minds set on things above. And then Lord, by the power of Your Spirit, draw us into the ministries and the work that You would have us to do. Those ministries and works that from the moment, even before we were born, that You had laid out before us. And Father, should there be one who is yet lost, who has heard this word today, and and they have gone through an abortion, they have played a large part in helping someone to receive an abortion, and they're overwrought with guilt, I pray, Father, that You would show them the rescue from sin that is in Christ Jesus. I pray that You would draw them to Yourself. That You would open their eyes to truth. That You would shine light into darkness. That You would grant them faith that they might believe. Believe the Gospel of Christ. That they might confess their sin. and That they would turn from their wicked ways and follow You. So again, Lord, I would ask, help us as Your children to be all that we are called to be as we are yet in this world. Help us to shine as lights in the midst of darkness. Help us to reflect the light of Christ in all that we would say and do. That's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.